You're listening to Kindling Conversation with Siobhan Hunt, part of Kindling Kids Radio. Teething can be almost as painful for us as parents as it is for our children. But how can we tell what's a normal response to teething and what's a sign of something else? You all know that babies drool, they get rashes, and sometimes it's like, well, what's happening? They're crying, they've got a fever. What does it all mean? Joining us to talk about all things teething is paediatric dentist, Dr. Philippa Sawyer. Hi, Philippa. How are you? Hey, good morning. Now, babies uh, and teething, it feels like it's this area that is just surrounded by myth and mystery. Um, Do you have any telltale signs when a baby is teething? I guess one of the first signs is that they're going to be dribbling more. So there's that sort of uh, increased sensitivity of the mouth and putting lots of things into their mouth. Um, Along with that goes bacteria. So if they're putting lots of different toys in their mouth, they've had lots of exposure to different sort of other children in the house and things, then they're going to pick up more uh, sort of viruses or infections from the sort of things that they put in their mouth. Not that we need to disinfect everything in their environment, but you just need to be aware that what they're suffering uh, around the time that they may be getting some teeth might not be related to teeth. That, As you've said, a fever is indicative of something a little bit more serious, that fevers are not generally associated with teething. Um, Things like pulling on their ears, um, that's something that's usual with teething. But children are teething from probably some children are teething from birth. They're born with teeth. Um, so they could be teething That would from, be a shock. <laughs> yes. But they, there are some children born with teeth mm. and some get teeth in the first few months of their life. Others don't get them until they're 18 months, you know. So there, there is quite a huge variation in when they get teeth. Um, so you could be say you could actually say that children are teething from birth until they're three years old when they've got their full set of baby teeth, and all the things that happen to them in that time you can't really attribute it just to their teeth. So it's there so are, interesting that you say that though because I never thought. Of course, they're putting things in their mouths. I'd never thought about that bacteria. Yes, you know. Yeah. So the more things they're putting in their mouth, um, the more chance they're going to pick up those sorts of things from their environment. Um, but there have been a lot of really good historical articles written about teething and if you go back into the 19th and 20th centuries and you look at all of the actual um, records of, of deaths that were recorded it was amazing the number of children that were recorded as having died from teething which we all know that teething doesn't actually cause death in children it causes a lot of discomfort and a lot of sleepless nights for parents Um, but they used to record the death as being attributable to teething when we all know it was probably a viral or bacterial infection isn't that incredible so um now i don't think you can answer this next question but when my kids were teething and they were um in a, a pain or they were uncomfortable i kept um thinking about when i got my wisdom teeth and thinking, oh, it must be a similar pain to that. Can we kind of guess that that's what they're going through? I think it's a very a very good thing to compare it with, that yes, they are uncomfortable. And the thing that you probably, if you remember when you were a child, what made you feel a lot better when you were a child is actually the warmth and comfort of your parents. Um, so there are other things you can do, of course, as in using chilled teething rings for them. Um, From time to time, you may use some sort of pain relief, but you want to be sure that that's going to be safe in your child, so not uh, not very young children. Um, 
to, but just that extra comfort that you can give your child with the extra cuddles, the quiet times, the book reading, and those sorts of things are going to be helpful for children. Obviously, small babies, that's not as helpful, but certainly the, the cold teething rings, uh, you, not frozen, so don't give them to them from the freezer. Uh, keep them in the refrigerator or even just a cold washer that you might put that into your um, freezer for a very short time and then give it to them as a, as a chilled thing to put in their mouths. They seem to like that. The other thing they like to chew on is a toothbrush. Um, So giving them a toothbrush to chew on is great. They can have a really good chomp on that. That's not the one you want to use to brush their teeth, though. And I advise all parents to have two toothbrushes, the one they use to brush the teeth, which is the one that they have in their hand, and the one that the child uses to, to mess around with their, with their teeth. So that's the one that they could chew on. Um, the other thing is if you wanted to do something with those toys and with the toothbrushes to keep them nice and clean, use that sort of um, the same an, uh, solution that you use for sterilising bottles. And that's you can mix that up and just put the toothbrush in that overnight and that kills the stuff that's on it and also all the different toys that they may be mouthing a lot during that time. You're listening to Kindling Conversation. I'm speaking with Dr Philippa Sawyer. We're talking about teething, which is not a pleasant thing for anyone to go through, parents or their children. Um, we're talking about when teeth come through. Um, we were just speaking about that some babies are even born with teeth, which was new to me, news to me, I should say. And um, they can be getting teeth all the way up to three years of age. Before we move on from pain relief, which you were just talking about then, Philippa, how we can keep our children comfortable, where are we at with Bongella? Because a lot of us grew up with Bongella, and I remember hearing when my children were teething that we don't use Bongella anymore. Um, it has some things in it that were of concern, especially over dosing the children. So that's sort of rubbing it on and then swallowing it. And if you read the package and follow directions on the package, it is reasonably safe to use. But with the um, benzocaine that was in those preparations, they felt is inappropriate to use with children. So that's um, something that's not that's no longer available. Um, if you are using something like a preparation that you do rub on like that, be aware of the fact that these sorts of things are absorbed not just by swallowing it, but through the actual. Um, their oral mucosa, they absorb things through that and through their palate as well. So they're going to have quite an uptake of that compound, whatever you're using. And then they just want it all the time. Bongella, because it tastes good. <laughs> they actually really like you rubbing their gums. Yeah. So just a finger rubbing their gums is often enough to help to, you know, help them through a difficult pre- period. Wow, isn't that incredible? Um, there is one thing that I wanted to talk about that can happen before the eruption of a tooth, and that's called an eruption cyst. And you can get an area overlying the tooth before it comes through that's a sort of a purplish blue colour, and that's usually a painless um, sort of a it's cyst. A, a fluid-filled bag, basically, that's over the top of the tooth. And when the tooth erupts, that bag bursts and all that fluid is lost. And it's, But it's generally painless unless it becomes infected. They rarely become infected and we rarely have to treat them with anything. Uh, it's more that sort of rubbing the gums, using the teething rings that helps to um, allow the tooth to come through and burst that. So if you see that purplish-blue uh, area overlying, that's what it is. And it scares a lot of people and it can look a bit sort of angry and frightening, but it is it is something that we see quite frequently. Yeah. Speaking about when the, the children are gumming, the babies are gumming something, um, what's your thoughts on things like um, the 
teething biscuits, you know, the I can't even remember what they're called now. My son's only three, but the really hard biscuits that are kind of like sticks that they advertise are good for teething. I guess one of the biggest concerns is what's in them So because they're a processed-type food and they can have a, quite a, a sugar component. They are around the mouth for a very long period of time. So the longer something is in the, in the mouth, the more chance that the bacteria can actually use whatever's in it. Um, I think that doing things, giving kids things like carrot or celery stick that's not something that they can bite bits off is probably something that they could enjoy just as much and not have as much effect in terms of um, creating the, the bacterial growth around their teeth. Um, even things like um, apple that's partially cooked, so it's not quite as um, fragment. It doesn't break off in fragments and they can uh, have a bit of a munch on that as well. You mentioned before that some children don't get their first tooth until they're 18 months and when you're in a mother's group and all the children around you are getting teeth and your baby's the last one to get teeth, you can start getting really concerned. Obviously, there's a huge variation about when these teeth come in, but is there a time when a parent needs to start thinking, hold on a minute, there should she, she, he should have some teeth by now and if they are worried, what do they do next? Well, the recommendation for the Australian Dental Association is that parents seek an appointment with a dentist by the child's first birthday. So I think that if a child hasn't got any teeth by the time they turn one, that it, that's a perfect time to discuss that with, with their dentist. If they've got a tooth at six months, then they probably need to see the dentist a bit earlier. So we say if they haven't got a tooth by their first birthday, but you know within six months of getting their first tooth, we prefer that they would see a, a dental professional. Um, the, the information that you need to get should be given to you on a yearly basis by your dentist. So yearly sort of visits at that age and stage is, is a very good idea to get an instalment of what's going to happen in the next 12 months. And the dentist is able then to keep an eye on the growth and development of the child. So giving you instalments and, and as well as keeping an eye on the child. So at that stage, they'd probably be saying, well, look, Maybe you should come back a bit before. Come back in six months rather than 12 months. And it's not one size fits all. Every single child is developing at a different rate, has different things in their life. So, for instance, a child that has a lot of medical problems in the first year of their life will need a bit more help along the way and should see the dentist possibly a little bit more often. So those sorts of things complicate your what we call a check-up schedule or a review schedule, and that should be determined by the professional that you're seeing. So you mentioned then that uh, around one was a good time to start seeing a dentist? That's what the recommendation is, is to try and find yourself a dental home by the time the child is, is one. Um, that doesn't mean that the child's going to be brought in and put in the dental chair and we've got to do a check-up of all their teeth. It's more an appointment for you to familiarise yourself and your child with the dental environment to get the information that you need to be able to avoid problems. So the vast majority of children don't have a dental decay problem at one. Um, there are some children, though, a child that's born with teeth would probably be exposed to things a lot longer than a child that doesn't have any teeth yet at one. Um, but it's, um, it is an opportunity at that age to avoid decay because that's something that will form in, in children uh, in, that, uh, in that sort of second year of life. As an adult, I go to wherever my health fund tells me to go. But I have taken my daughter there and they don't seem to be that au fait with very young children because she's only five. How do you find a good 
dentist, you're a paediatric dentist. I mean, how, A, how many paediatric dentists are they? Are they common? Or indeed, how do you go about finding someone who treats children and, you know, they, you want them to be good with kids. And if they don't treat many kids, then they're not going to be the best dentist, are they really? Uh, I think the, the best thing that you can do is to call ahead and check with that practice whether or not they're happy to see children. If they're not happy to see children, they probably know somebody in the area who is happy to see children. If it's a, The other thing is if it's a multiple practitioner uh, office, then they'll probably have somebody who does like to see children, that, that it has an interest in them and is happy to see children. Um, some offices have oral health therapists, uh, and they um, can do a lot of things to help you to prevent decay with those children as well. If they see something that they're um, a little concerned about, then they may refer you to see a paediatric dentist. Uh, some people choose to see a paediatric dentist from the very beginning. And in Australia, there are about 130 uh, registered specialists in paediatric dentistry. A majority of them are in the cities rather than in the country, although there are paediatric dentists that do country tri- trips. And I used to go to the to New England area for about 12 years. Uh, and uh, so there are other, other paediatric specialists who, who travel to the country as well. Um, you can check with your general dentist, you know, do, do they think that you need to see a specialist or, or is this something that they can manage in their office locally? It's much better to have a relationship with a local dentist as your child grows older. Um, they may do things like fall over and hurt their teeth and you want somebody on the spot who's close by that the child is, is familiar with. But there are children who definitely need to see a paediatric dentist at, at different times throughout their growth and development, as they may also need to see an orthodontist at different times throughout the growth and development. Well, I think we, we did, I did, that was my fault, did a little bit off teething, but it's good to know that um, we should start thinking about dentists at one years of age. Philippa, thank you so much for chatting with us. That's a pleasure. That was paediatric specialist dentist, Dr. Philippa Sawyer. You've been listening to a Kindling Conversation podcast. We'd like to reach as many parents as possible, and you can help us by giving us a review wherever you downloaded this episode. It means that more people can find us. I'm Siobhan Hunt. See you next time.